Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody? And doing okay? <clears throat> How many of you here last Sunday? How many of you here last Sunday? I got to hear Chip Mittend. If you, if you missed last Sunday, uh, please be sure and get online and, and catch uh, his, uh, what he shared with us as well as his testimony. Uh, just tremendous. And uh, I, I thought I'd let you know that, that I was watching, that I was listening closely. And, uh, and I, I got to, to, to have some little time aside to, to learn some of the, the tricks of those uh, strength feats. And uh, so I thought I'd demonstrate for you this morning um, uh, just one of, one of those. And uh, so, <laughs> and I, I'm sure some child in the audience wants to have that, so I'll <laughs> if you weren't here last week, you can understand that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> all uh, fun aside here for a moment, uh, I thought we would, would stop to pray for uh, the folks in Louisiana and Texas that have been so dramatically affected by this hurricane, uh, and pr- pray for <clears throat> Carla and, and Adrian <clears throat> Wright as they are about to uh, leave this week to go with the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Team, which does such an incredible job. And uh, they're going to be helping down there just uh, north of the St. Charles area. Uh, so let's remember to pray <clears throat> for the rights as well. So would you join me for a couple of moments as, as we pray? <clears throat> Father, we, uh, it's just um, uh, hard to even imagine what, what it's like to go through what uh, so many of those folks, Lord, in Louisiana and Texas have been going through in the wake of, of this hurricane. Father, we pray for those families where there has been loss of life. We ask for your comfort and for your peace for them. Father, for um, the, the many that are, are uh, without power, without water, without food, Lord, we ask for uh, for your provision. We thank you for uh, so many of, of your people that um, uh, are nearby that have, have stepped in or, or are seeking to minister to help. Lord, for those that are part of our, this, uh, our amazing uh, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Team as they head in that direction and come alongside to be of help in so many different ways. Lord, we ask for your watch, care, and protection over all of those people. Lord, we ask for um, a blessing of restoration uh, physically and spiritually in every way. Father, we ask for your provision for all those needs as well. Lord, help us as your people to be ready to give in the ways that we need to give. Lord, we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, as Miss Michelle uh, mentioned earlier, uh, we, we are talking about anger today, talking about anger. So let, let me do just a little informal survey here as I begin. How many of you think that men struggle more with anger than women? How many think men struggle more with anger than, than women? All right. How many of you think women struggle more with anger than men? <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, uh, the actual answer is, to that question is, researchers tell us that uh, actually men and women struggle with anger about the same, about the same. The difference comes in how they express that anger. Men tend to be more aggressive in the way they express their anger. Uh, researchers also tell us why that is. It's apparently because the uh, part of the brain that modulates aggressiveness 
is smaller for men than it is for women. Now, many of you ladies are already thinking, hey, I already knew men's brains were smaller than, than women's anyways. <laughs> that kind of deal. And uh, so men are more aggressive in their anger, and women are more passive-aggressive in their anger. Amen? <laughs> no. uh, yeah, right. And uh, so a- anger is an issue. I, right now in our society, I mean, there's so much anger out there in our society right now. And anger, uh, justifiably, over yet a- another unarmed black man who seems to be senselessly killed. And anger over the coronavirus and all the things we have to do to mitigate that process. Uh, anger over, you know, schools, you know, how school may be opening or, or not opening in the process. Anger over our politics and, you know, I mean, you name it. So many things that we find ourselves that we are angry about right now. But this morning, I, I want us to, to drill down on a much more personal level. So I want to ask you this question. Who are you mad at? Who are you angry with right now? Who are you angry with? You know, there are lots of good self-help books out there on how to deal with anger, uh, but the best book of all to turn to is the good book, the Bible, the Word of God. And so that's where we want to begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Michelle mentioned it earlier. Be angry, Paul writes, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He begins with those words, be angry. (laughs) That's a little bit unexpected, is it not? I mean, why would it be okay to be angry? Well, it's because anger is a God-given emotion, just like all of our emotions. They all are given to us by God. And so it really is possible to be angry and yet not sin. In fact, if you were to examine the Word of God, you would find some 600 different accounts where uh, uh, anger is expressed by either God the Father or God the Son. As you explore the Gospels, you see occasions when uh, Jesus is angry at people who are, where injustice is taking place, angry when people are being abused. Uh, One of the most famous accounts of his anger, of course, is when he angrily drove the money changers out of the temple. Anger is a God-given protective emotion. I mean, as a husband and a father, whenever I I sense that my family, any member of my family, from from my, my wife all the way down to my grandkids, is being mistreated or being threatened in some way, it makes me mad. I I get angry. In fact, what happens in our body when we experience anger is there's a physiological change that takes place that actually prepares your body more uh, to be more able to uh, fight or defend in such cases. Anger. But what about anger that you feel when someone personally hurts you? When they hurt you. Hurt makes you angry. It may be a, a friend that, that betrays you. It, it may be some unjust criticism. It may be you know somebody steals your idea at work and claims that it's theirs. It could be anything. What about the anger you feel when you're hurt? Those kind of hurts make you angry. It, again, it's a natural emotional response. The Apostle Paul never would have claimed to have been a psychologist, but he certainly promoted God's psychology here in Ephesians 4. Again, when he says, go ahead and feel angry. Go ahead and feel angry. 
You know, don't do this thing that some Christians do. They, they think, well, the Christians aren't supposed to feel angry, and so I, I'm just going to stuff it. And they just keep on stuffing it. Yes, don't stuff it. Don't stuff it. It's okay to feel angry. It's natural. Hurt causes anger. It's not a sin to experience the emotion of anger. But then the Apostle Paul goes on to qualify it by adding this command. He says, and yet do not sin. In other words, it's okay to feel angry, but it's not okay to express your anger in ways that is harmful either to yourself or to others. Anger expressed in sinful ways can be very destructive. Perhaps the most famous example of that in the history of mankind is found back in the book of Genesis, in chapter 4, story of Cain and Abel. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, there's been all kinds of speculation across the centuries as to you know, why God accepted Abel's gift but rejected Cain's gift. But our, our, probably our best clue as to why is, is a very subtle one found in verse 3. Notice the way that uh, the description that's given for the, how, the, the way that Cain's gift is presented versus the way right after that it describes Abel's gift being presented. In verse 3, it says that Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. You kind of get the impression that, you know, as Cain walked out the door, he thought, oh, this is the day I'm supposed to bring my gift to the Lord. So he runs over and he just grabs, you know, whatever crops are, are most convenient to him, and he takes that and gives his gift to the Lord. But what does it say? How does it describe Abel? Again, it tells us in verse 4 that Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. In other words, it wasn't as though when Abel, Abel went out the door, he just grabbed you know, whatever lamb was most convenient to him. He looked to search, he examined to find the very best lamb among those that were firstborn. It's really a very important giving principle here altogether. And that is that we always want to make sure that we give God our best, our very best. You know, and not just what's you know, left over at the end of the month. Well, Cain's offering was rejected. Abel's was accepted. And again, that made Cain very, very angry. Verse 6, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? That is, why do you look so hurt? See, God wants to get Cain's attention here, to, to get him to recognize the reason for his anger so that he can teach him something here. In verse 7, he says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. God's saying, if you accept what I'm trying to teach you here about the nature and purpose of offerings, this is something that will never be a source of anger for you ever again in your entire life. The last part of verse 7. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and master and be its master. Again, 
Remember, anger in and of itself is not a sin. Where we get into trouble is when we do wrong things in response to our anger. In other words, whenever you get angry, sin is always crouching at the door. It's your response to that anger which determines whether or not you're going to open that door. Tragically, Cain did not deal with his anger appropriately, and he allowed his anger to control his response. Look at verse 8. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Tragic story. Well, back to that counsel that Paul gives us in Ephesians 4, the last part of verse 26. He says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. See, the general principle here is that we should develop the habit of dealing with our anger as soon as possible in a timely manner. Do not let the sun go down, Paul is saying. Paul is speaking figuratively to say that we should, again, deal with our anger as soon as possible. Literally, if possible, before the sun goes down. But that's not always possible. You know, I mean, obviously exceptions. If you lived in Alaska in that part of the, uh, of the, of the country where, you know, the sun never goes down for a period of time, it's not like, hey, I can wait three months before I deal with my anger. <laughs> the point here is very clear. Don't keep carrying around unresolved anger because it is eventually going to lead to sin. It is. It's going to eventually cause you to say or do something that later you will wish you could unsay or undo. Plain and simple. Well, that was Cain's first big mistake. He failed to deal with his anger immediately. I, I mean, you really get the impression that, you know, Cain, went, he heard God give him that warning, but yet he, he goes home and he just starts stewing over it. He just totally ignores God's words to him and he starts stewing over it. I mean, day after day, he keeps stewing over it. Instead of responding to God's warning by subduing and mastering his anger, he opened the door to sin by nursing it, by feeding it, by allowing it to consume him. Again, ultimately to the point of murdering his brother. You know, we're funny sometimes. Sometimes we think that we can, we can deal with anger <clears throat> by just getting away from the source of it. You know, <clears throat> if I could just, uh, you know, get a, get a different set of friends, I can get away from that friend that's really, really ticking me off. I, if I can get a different job, I, I can get away from that boss or that coworker that's just constantly driving me nuts, constantly making me angry. If I can get a, a different marriage, I, I can get away from that spouse that, that, that's just, just totally driving me nuts, that's making me so angry. Well, is that a legitimate way of dealing with anger? I mean, think about this. Let's say you're in a car accident, and you're, you're laying out there, and, and you've got a couple of broken bones, and you're bleeding profusely, and the paramedics arrive, and they're starting to work on you, and, and you look, at them, look up at them, and you say, you know, guys, if you could just take me away from the sight of this accident and just give me a little time, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. <laughs> well, of course not. No way. Your injuries and your hurt goes with you wherever you go. You know, there's bleeding to be stopped. There are bones to be set. Your circumstances and relationships may change, 
but you will continue to carry that unresolved anger right into those new friendships, right into that new job, right into that new marriage. Deal with your anger as soon as possible. Notice Paul's warning in verse 27. He says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. And we saw it so very clearly with Cain and Abel. Cain rejected God's warning, refused to resolve his anger, and gave the devil a huge and terribly destructive opportunity in his life, a foothold in his life. And it's the same with us. When we fail to resolve our anger, we're giving the devil an opportunity. We're giving him a foothold that turns in, uh, pretty quickly into a stronghold in your life where he takes that anger and he wreaks all kinds of havoc in you, emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's kind of like the, you know, the old Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> Come on in and stay a while, devil. You know? Take this anger and, and have, you know, have at it. Okay. <clears throat> you say, all right. I get it. I get it. I, 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 I know it's a problem. So what do I do about it? What do I do about it? How do I deal with this? Well, from a practical standpoint, how do you deal with it as soon as possible so as not to give the devil an opportunity in your life? Now, let me be quick to say here, what I'm about to share, I fully understand, is not an easy thing to do. It is not easy. It takes practice. It takes work. It may even take a trained Christian counselor to help you out a little bit in this area. But Paul actually gives us the answer just a couple of verses later in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 32, he writes, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. You see, when you get angry with someone, you have an immediate, an immediate choice to make. You can choose to indulge that anger, to nurse it, to feed it, and open the door to the devil's work in your life. Or you can choose to immediately release your anger and forgive that person. What we're talking about here is an attitude or a mindset of forgiveness where you decide in advance that that is how you're going to respond to anger towards someone. You can't wait until you get angry to decide. You have to decide now. Notice the verse says, forgiving each other. The verb tense there is present active. It's, it's ongoing. You keep on forgiving each other. It describes an ongoing, continuous action of forgiveness. Or you forgive them now and you keep on forgiving them in the future. In fact, what you, what you try to do is, is let anger become sort of an automatic trigger to immediately forgive. To jump from anger immediately to forgiveness. Well, how do you pull that off? <laughs> well, the answer is in the last part of verse 32. He says, forgiving each other. And how do we do that? Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You see, we keep on forgiving each other by consistently remembering how God in Christ has forgiven us. And how did God forgive you? Well, Paul explains back actually in Ephesians chapter 1 that God decided before he ever even created the world, he decided how he was going to forgive us in Christ. Ephesians 1.7 says, 
He is so, referring to God, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I am a forgiven person because of what Jesus Christ did for me when he died on the cross to pay the penalty of my sins. I'm a forgiven person. Because of Christ, I now live in a continual state of forgiveness in the mind and heart of my God. A continual state of forgiveness. My sins in the past are forgiven. My sins in the present are forgiven. And my sins in the future are forgiven. All are forgiven. So, if you, if you then are going to forgive others just as God in Christ forgave you, this is what that means. Just as you live in a state of continual forgiveness in the mind and heart of God, you have to allow those who have hurt you, who have deeply angered you, to live in a state of continual forgiveness in your heart and mind. Now, it may take a little while to get to the heart. It has to start in the mind. Much easier to start in the mind, and then eventually it'll get to the heart. So, let's practice. Let's practice. Now, when I asked you earlier who you're angry with, who was it that came to your mind? Who did you picture? Think of that one person, just that one person. In fact, as you're thinking about that person, I suspect there's, you know, some of that anger is probably beginning to bubble up right now a little bit. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do. Decide right now what you are going to do with that anger as it's kind of bubbling up. Are you going to indulge it and spend these next couple of minutes just stewing over it some more? Or are you going to forgive them? Are you going to forgive them just as God in Christ has forgiven you? So do this. Do this. You've got that image of that person in your mind. <clears throat> Slide the image of that person over to the side. Keep it there. And then right next to that person, I want you to get an image of Jesus Christ suffering on the cross for you. The image of Christ on the cross, suffering for you. And remind yourself that he did that for your forgiveness. You didn't deserve for him to do that. He did it by what? He did it by grace. You know, something I've said so many times in the past that I, I always have to remind myself of when I struggle with, with anger is, is the fact that, you know, how can I withhold from anyone else that which Jesus Christ has so freely given to me. Now, remind yourself that Jesus also died on that cross for that person in the picture right next to that, for that person that you are angry with. In fact, what, I, what, I, what I'd like for you to do is, is, to, is to take that picture of Christ upon the cross and superimpose it over the face of that person with whom you're angry. Superimpose it over his face or her face. Now, that person didn't deserve Jesus doing that for them either. That person didn't deserve Jesus dying on the cross for them either. And neither do they deserve your forgiveness. 
You choose forgiveness as an act of grace because it is by grace that you have been forgiven. Let me say that one more time. You choose forgiveness as an act of grace on your part toward that person because it is by grace that you have been forgiven by God. Now, let me ask us all, if we could, to bow our heads right now. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. As you think about that person that that you're angry with right now, just tell God, Lord, thank you for forgiving me when I did not deserve to be forgiven. And Lord, I I may not feel it so much at the moment, but, but I want to say to you that even though I don't feel like he or she deserves my forgiveness, I choose by grace to forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them in my mind, and and I trust that you will allow that forgiveness to drift not only from my mind, but also down into my heart. I forgive them, and as, as I do, I release all my anger toward them to you. And Lord, I ask that from this moment forward, every time I feel even a twinge of anger toward them again, that it would immediately trigger forgiveness. It would trigger that image of Christ upon the cross as I remember how much you have forgiven me. And everyone said, Amen.